This is It Happened One Year, a look back at the events big and small, famed and forgotten from Hello everybody! Welcome to It Happened One Year, 1994. We're doing it again! There we are. <laughs> I thought you wanted to do the we're doing it again. I did. You've weirdly been talking about it all week. <laughs> So. I had this I had this idea that we should this literally like I woke up one morning and this was the first thought to cross my mind, which was, can I set my alarm clock so that it's like, bzz, bzz, and then Joe go, we're doing it again. And then bzz, bzz, <laughs> we're doing it again. And I thought that would be a great way to start the day. My theory is that you would be so disgruntled at being woken up to go to work that you would then come to hate the sound of my voice. I would hate you so much by the end of it. You're right. Yeah. It's a bad idea. But I do think it would be a funny ringtone. I agree. So, listeners, if you want to get in on that, send a dollar ninety nine to it happened one year at gmail dot com, and I'll send you, you the ringtone. I think you can send it to our OnlyFans, right? Oh, right. It's on our OnlyFans. It's the only thing there, and pictures <laughs> and pictures of our our ceiling fans. That's it. <laughs> it's OnlyFans, right? OnlyFans. So here we are. It happened one year, and we are indeed doing it again. Yes, we are. Yeah. We- <laughs> yes. Perfect. Sorry, my chair was squeaking a lot, so I adjusted. You know, we haven't recorded an episode in a while for some reason, a couple yeah. weeks, and so I think we're a, a little rusty. A little rusty. Feeling like we may have uh, got a couple barnacles on the old hull. <laughs> Slowing us down. Yeah. So yeah. we got to get uh, back into it, and we've picked a hell of a topic to tackle, oh a, a wide-ranging topic of uh, many 1994-ish type events. Yes. Yes. So that's exciting. Yeah. Are we done with small talk? The small talk was you talking about, like, dreams you basically had. <laughs> I woke oh, up no. one day and I was just thinking, we're doing it again. <laughs> am, am I the problem with the podcast? Oh, I think that we have a lot of problems with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take it on yourself. I'm, I'm an equal participant in the issues. Uh, yeah. Well, we were perusing topics to discuss today, and we've debated this one uh, pretty extensively because the, the core, like, driving event happened in 1994, I guess. But it talks about things that happened all around 1994, much like many of the episodes that we yeah. uh, that we do. So we ultimately decided to go for it and see how it goes. Also, like many of the episodes that we do. Yeah. So roll the dice, see what happens. Exactly. So, I mean, you can see the description of the episode. You already know what we're talking about. But we really did debate this one a lot. And this has always been on the list. This was always something we had talked about doing because it covers news stories that we thought we should talk about yeah but it, they just happen to all be in this song and that's why we're doing the headline news weird al yankovic episode even though that song i don't know is i don't think of it as a real famous weird al song because my weird al world is sort of the 80s because i was a kid when i was really into weird al yeah and then i only know his real famous songs from the 90s and this song wasn't one of those songs to me but I feel like it's a different song to you than it is to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like when when we talked about doing this episode, I was like, well, obviously we would do this episode. That makes total sense because this was not only 
for the longest time my favorite Weird Al song. Though re-listening to it today, I was like, oh, this is not a very good song. But it's also the first song of Weird Al's that I ever heard. And I was like, oh. what is this? And I, I, I would consider myself a reasonable Weird Al fan. I sure. uh, like him. I think he's talented. But now, um, again, you were like 11 when this 11. song came out. So yeah. I like I don't know exactly what the first Weird Al song I knew was. I'm guessing it might have been Fat. Because mm-hmm. Even Worse came out in probably 87, yeah. 88. Right around you know that era for, for Michael Jackson. But I'm not sure. And then I know as a kid I had Weird Al's Greatest Hits on tape. And I'm pretty sure I had Even Worse on tape. And that might have been it. Yeah. But I was, again, probably nine or 10. So it probably all works out, yeah. I think, time wise. Yeah. This read would have been right around the time I transitioned from listening to only my mom's like cassettes and CDs of Garth Brooks and Amy Grant to listening to the radio, which was a nice thing to discover at age 10 or 11. Nice. And and I heard the song. I can't remember if I heard it like at a friend's house or if I heard just heard it on the radio. I don't remember. But when I listened to it the, for the first time, it blew my mind. And I went and and got the tape, the Greatest Hits Volume 2. So that was the only album of his I had for a long time. And this song was like, all it was everything to me, <laughs> emotionally. No, it was, it was. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I listened to it a lot. Um, I liked the album a lot. And then I ended up, you know, buying other Weird Al albums. But I think for that reason, my like understanding of the scope of Weird Al, even to this day, is sort of limited because I never, I never had fat. I never liked fat. I never liked, um, eat it like a surgeon none of that was ever my jams it was only this song and everything after yeah well i mean i think weird al resonates with people when you already know the songs and so like the Mm -hmm. original that they're based on and so you know being more a child of the 80s than you were slightly yeah like michael jackson songs and madonna songs like these these were big cultural moments for me these aren't songs in the past like i was sort of living through that sort of oh yeah like, you know, because you still would see all those videos and we're real into MTV and stuff like that. No, so that's totally. why I think like even worse was such a big deal for me and things like that. But again, it was also having that my, you know, my limited group of, of cassette tapes when I was eight or nine, having Weird Al's greatest hits was a big deal to me. So Yeah, that was the weirdest thing about this album. Totally, because I didn't know most of the songs that the parodies were based on. Like I heard this song well before I heard the Crash Test Dummy song. He has parodies of like Red Hot Chili Pepper songs. I was not listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers when I was 10 and like Nirvana and Dire Straits. Like none of that was my jam. I think I probably knew the Billy Ray Cyrus song because he had a, a song that was just about that song. So, so many of these songs I heard from Weird Al before I ever even heard them in mm. real life. Smells Like Nirvana was, as I recall, like the biggest Weird Al song until Amish Paradise. Mm-hmm. Like that. And I remember that video and I remember and that was so yeah. that was probably a couple of years before this. Yeah. But like this is how Weird Al just kind of hung around, you know, because fat was a big deal video, too, because it was all these special effects and, you know, and it was yeah. funny. But Smells Like Nirvana was a big hit. And I think Headline News was his only like his first I want to say charting single since then. So this was, yeah. you know, a big thing. But for some reason, I really didn't have any familiarity with headline news as a song. Yeah. Uh, really until recent years. So that's why I tend to think of more of the past Weird Al stuff than the 90s Weird Al stuff. Yeah. And so none of this has any, like, this era for Weird Al, like his this Greatest Hits album and and almost everything going forward, none of that really means anything to me in the same way. Yeah. I, I still think of, you know, Stuck in a Closet with Vanna White, which we've covered in a different episode. <laughs> Already uh, talked about it, weirdly. Yeah, the lasagna song. La, 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 lasagna. You want the summer lasagna. Magnifico or maybe spaghetti. And, 
and the I Love Lucy Ricky song that's sung to the tune of Mickey. Like, that's what I think of with Weird Al. Oh, that's a, that's uh, like a surgeon good. and things like that. Too, yeah, yeah but, that's pretty good. But yeah. you didn't have the album. So Bad Hair Day must have been out not long after this because Gangster's Paradise came out in 1994. And this Bad Hair Day was all it had gangster it had um amish paradise on it but it also had like he was on the cover with coolio's like hairstyle so that must have come out in like 95 it could not have been that long after that. i think it was like 96 yeah but yeah. so again like i'm a little older at that point now i'm you know yeah. i'm like i'm well into high school and I, again amish paradise was such a big hit that like that i i remember like that was yeah. that was everywhere but I didn't buy that at that point. Like Weird Al almost felt like a child's novelty act. Cause again, I related it to my own childhood. Yeah, I never yeah. thought it. it was years until then you start to grin an appreciation for what he's doing. Yeah. But it's not just goofy, you know, yeah, totally. uh, nonsense word salad type stuff. So, so no, I didn't really like the song about, um, didn't he have some songs about Star Wars? He did the Yoda song. Yoda. That was on Greatest Hits Volume 2. Yeah. I met him in a swamp down in Dagobah where it bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated soda. S-O-D-A soda. But like those songs I have no real familiarity yeah. with even now. Like didn't he do, didn't he do a song about the, the prequels? Some other Star Wars song later? Oh my, my, this here Anakin guy. Maybe Vader someday later just a small fry and he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye saying soon i'm gonna be a jedi but no um, there's some of that stuff like i just don't really i don't really know and yeah. um but no yoda was a was a parody of lola right by the kinks as you as you probably know and this album did have his lesser christmas song christmas at ground zero christmas at ground is zero is a great song Fine, except on Bad Hair Day, there was a song called The Night Santa Went Crazy, which is, I think, my favorite Weird Al song. Merry Christmas to all! Now you're all gonna die! Yeah, I know that has ended up on our Christmas playlists for a number of years. Sure has, yeah. yeah. All right, so should we talk about headline news? <laughs> oh, we should. It is basically, <laughs> we could keep strolling down memory lane with Weird Al, and maybe we'll come back to this. Maybe we'll come back to it. Um, okay, so he released this song in 1994. It was part of like a box set that he released, and there's like one new single on it. But uh, he said he didn't want to put a new single on something that hit not all of his listeners can afford, which like props, Weird Al. So he put out this uh, Greatest Hits Volume 2 album and with this this song, which was a new single at the time. Called Headline News, parody of Mm-mm-mm-mm by the Crash Test Dummies, uh, different from Mm-bop by uh, Hanson. Different Correct. Song. Yes. Um, what do you know about the Crash Test Dummies song? <laughs> Again, I don't think we need to get into this much. I don't think that song came out in 94, right? I think, is it really just talk? People just call it Mm-mm-mm-mm? That seems hard. I mean, I think most people just call it that one song by the Crash Test Dummies because right. saying mm, 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 yeah. mm, is kind of the hard. song with the twelve M's in the title. Like, yeah. I don't know what else you would say, but the only honestly, like, it's a fine song and it was a hit. But I don't think the Crash Test Dummies had much else. And for the longest time, I think I, I think I already mentioned this on the podcast that it was it's it was at the time the only song to ever be a top song on the Billboard charts that has yeah. no vowels in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Joe so, knows some facts. I'm glad I could bring that up again. I'm, I, now that I'm saying it, I feel like I've already mentioned this, but I, I can't know. remember what episode it would have been. It wasn't until you said that that I tended to agree. Why did the crash test dummies <laughs> come up before her? No idea. The, the only thing I know about them is that they were in this one. They had this one song that was parodied by Weird Al. But yeah. wasn't a song about like paranormal things? That was how I. I mean, I don't remember it that well, but it was about like 
close encounters and like supernatural mm. experiences that people had or like religious visions and things like that. Like, I you think know, that's, I've that's heard this song about. a lot of times. I couldn't tell you what it's about. Like, it's one of those songs that like, I know some of the lyrics, but I never sat and really listened and like, what is this song about? Like, yeah. it was a one hit wonder from a band called the crash test dummies. Like, come on. So <laughs> I never really put a lot of thought into it. And honestly, I don't think it really matters. I don't think it relates to this all that much Yeah, because the weird Al song is, as you said, when we were listening to it today, it is just crammed full of facts. There's, yeah. there's not even a lot of jokes in that song. It is just, here's what's going on. Yes. No, it's not particularly clever. It seems like something he just slammed together. So yeah, yeah it, but it gives it's us a nice backbone to talk about these three random incidents. It does. It does. So, the first, so the first incident in the song is one I believe you have claimed you are really not familiar with. And this blows my mind because this was a huge news story at the time. Yeah. I don't remember this literally until I heard this song. Like I, I don't think when I heard the song, I knew what this was that this it's, it's about Michael Fay. Yeah. Is his yeah. name? went to Singapore and spray painted things and then got caned. Right. Now, the reason why it was such a big story, as I remember it, because I didn't really look up a lot about this because I felt like I just know this, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to probably get some details wrong. The Michael Faye story, the big deal was that they had sentenced him to get caned something like nine times or ten times, right? And yeah. that was the sticking point. Like, everybody else was like... You know, he went there and he spray painted something and then he got caught. And nobody cared about that. They were just kind of like, ah, whatever. But... The whole thing actually had this like odd sort of, I don't know if it was like a racism or like a third world, first world country thing. But the fact yeah. that he got sentenced to get caned seemed like such an outrageous thing to the American public or whatever. That that's why the number of times he got caned was the only thing that really changed. Like he still got caned, but I think he only got caned like twice. Yeah. Where originally he was sentenced to get caned like a bunch of times, right? And it was framed in very much this like medieval, like this is blah, blah, blah type thing. Overlooking the fact that he's just this like young asshole who goes to yeah. Singapore and is like just mucking around. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like that was always an odd part of that story. Yeah. And then we're a country that still has capital punishment. So it's not like we don't do some barbaric things, you know, like. Yeah, right, but there's gonna... not a lot of punishments, I think, that are torture based. You know what I mean? Like we'll like kill people. But I mean, I don't think there's I mean... a lot of like, like literal slap on the wrists and, you know. Yeah, that's probably true. Although, have you heard about what's going on at Rikers right now? Not great. Not great. I don't even know what that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, our prisons are pretty bad. So, but I hear you. Yes. No, we don't typically have judges sentence people to physical harm. People aren't getting whipped. Like, that's, that's these yeah, are yeah. things that have kind of gone yeah. away. And so I think that was what was such an odd part of that story for people. If it was just that, like, he was going to do 60 days, nobody would have cared. Yeah. Like, no one would have thought of this. But I feel like politicians were intervening on his behalf. Yeah. And, like, they were really trying to, like, get Michael Fay out of this. Like, we should give a shit about Michael Fay. Like, he was clearly this, like, tourist dude who just goes and, like, dicks around. And I don't know. If you go dick around with the locals, I feel like yeah. you kind of get what you deserve, right? Well, I think that's the, I mean, look, I don't really remember this news story, but I think that's the interesting question. Like, are you subject to the laws of the country that you're in? Or are you subject to laws consistent with your own country? And I think laws in the country that you're in, like, don't spray paint stuff in, uh, in Singapore. Right. And I mean, it's unless it's go something well. like, you know, journalists in the Middle East, like yeah. where it's, it's clearly like human rights problems or like the governments are corrupt. But in this case, this really wasn't that this was like, Maybe it's extreme for graffiti or whatever, but it's still like their law. So yeah. I don't know. But that was like the main part of the Michael Fay story, as I recall it as a kid. And this was a huge story. Yeah. And no, the incident took place in 93, but they, he was actually convicted. Yeah. And then this whole thing dragged through in early 94. 
Yeah, and in the song you classically hear like uh, uh, something getting hit and then a guy screaming. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, well. it was a goofy story, and I think oh. the song accurately portrays this. Like, <laughs> there's no reason to have sympathy for Michael Fay then or now. Like, it's just a ridiculous little tidbit of history. I love that the conclusion is he still gets caned, and then he comes home. Yeah, that was and basically it. He just didn't get caned as much, but, like, yeah. I guess we still should have felt bad because he was just some, like, shitty white kid in Singapore. <laughs> like, the hell with that kid. Like, they should have caned him more. Uh, oh, man. Him. If I knew what he looked like and I walked by him on the street, I'd give him the middle finger. Oh, I I would guess people give him the middle finger in his hometown every single day. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel bad. Maybe he learned his lesson. I hope he's. I hope he has love in his life. You know, I don't know anything about Michael Fay. I hope he's fine. Yeah. I don't know. But, like, as, like, a teenager, he was an ass. <laughs> I think I think me and the people of Singapore are in agreement. The hell with that kid. So that's where I come down on Michael Fay. All right. But none of that is familiar to you. You don't remember the Michael Fay story at all. I mean, look, it's hard now because I know I know the story now, but I don't think I knew it when I heard the song for the first time. I think I had to like find out what that was about. Huh. It was ten. Yeah, that's fair. Nine or ten when it happened. So no. not really watching the news. Unlike, say, the second part of this song. Oh, which I was all over this story. Yeah. Now, we've blown past this story in the past, more or less to get to it in this episode, but I don't, I don't know how much I want, because it's, it's such a wacky story, and it's such, it was such yeah. a big deal at the time. I don't want to eat up this whole episode with it, yeah. so maybe we'll cover some random parts of it later, but what, uh, what, what were your thoughts at the time, and how, how has that evolved over the years? Oh, we're going right in for it. Sure. All of so it. All of it. Okay. So yes. So the second story is is Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. And of course, at the time, like everyone, I was like, poor Nancy Kerrigan, that white trash Tanya Harding. This is eleven year old Sarah. Yeah. What a what a crazy lady to hire someone to hurt her rival. She's terrible. And yeah, I would say I see the nuance to the story now. Not to say that Tanya Harding isn't still accountable and responsible for what happened, but you know you kind of learn a little bit more about where people come from and the impact and the media and all of that. And so 10-year-old Sarah was outraged for Nancy Kerrigan and uh, disappointed in how her career might have been crippled. Um, and then she did fine. She won silver at the Olympics. She did great. I, I was thinking in retrospect that, like, doesn't the, the Tanya Harding situation and the legal parts of that yeah. Kind of snowball in the same way in 94, 95 with the OJ verdict where no one could believe that Tanya Harding didn't really face any repercussions for this, yeah. that she still went to the Olympics yeah. and never really had any any negative legal problems because of it. And like that seemed so strange at the time that like, even though she was clearly not a rich person, she wasn't OJ getting yeah. away with stuff, yeah. but it was still this like, there is no justice. We all know she had to have been somewhat involved, right? Yeah. There's no way that Jeff Galuli just took this on himself and was going to like, well, I got to get Tanya, you know, a better standing at, with this team. Yeah. In retrospect now, you can kind of put these things together. And does this, you know, all point towards the fact that there is no justice? I, I, no, I disagree with that. Oh. Um, because I think Tanya Harding has some plausible deniability. Look, I'm not, maybe people are going to come at listeners. Don't come at me. <laughs> but I think she's got some plausible deniability. I think, you know, she might have known she might have been involved. She also might not have. Like, if she was going to make bank by doing well at the Olympics, I could see, like, some creepy-ass dudes who are in her life and, like, sketchy guys just being like, well, just take care of it. 
because, you know, we want her to make bank. Like, I, you know, it's not just because she wants to do well and is ambitious. You make money, you get endorsements, you, get, you know, whatever. And so I think it, if that's the case, and I think she said, I don't really know, but I think she said that she didn't know it was happening. And so if I tend to think that maybe she's not lying about that. Maybe she is. I don't know. But I don't think I'm not as convinced that she knew and was in, and was involved as uh, as I am that OJ definitely killed Nicole Simpson. Like That's definitely one hundred percent did it. I've always been of the opinion that she had to have known because logically it doesn't make sense to me that she didn't and just these people around her did this. It's like Nixon. I always felt that Nixon clearly knew everything that was going on. Oh yeah. And only later kind of claimed that like it was all the people around him that were doing it and he had nothing to do. So. Yeah. In the same sort of vein, that's how I've always felt about Tanya Harding. And I do feel that the story changed over the years when more about her personal life came out, or yeah. at least to a wide degree where people sympathized with her and understood this. Yeah. So I think that's why she tends to get more of a pass over time. But yeah. logically, it doesn't make sense to me that this all happened and she had no idea, even though she was the main person who would benefit from it. I don't, I don't know. I get yeah. your point, like the idea yeah. that you know, they're connected to her. So if she makes money, they will succeed as well. But yeah, I don't know. I, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. really work for me. I, I think it's totally reasonable for someone to hold that opinion. I'm, I'm not sure I'm there. The other part, and this might be a little weird not to get personal, but I kind of identified with Tanya Harding. She was like a kid from the sticks. I mean, I wasn't an ice skater, nor was I particularly athletic. <laughs> was <laughs> my family abusive? Nor did I have creepy ass weirdo boyfriends, but you did have a lot of talent on the upright base. I did. I did. I did. I don't know what it. I don't know what it was. I'm nothing no. like Tanya Harding, but I was kind of like, mm, I feel her. So like whoever at was 10. like first chair at the uh, in upright base in oh, yeah. like upstate New York, if you had had like a skeevy boyfriend who could go and club that guy, club that kid in the knee, yeah, you would have got that. Yep. Gross. Support it. Well, good. I'm glad you could relate to Tanya Harding in such a fundamental <laughs> way. Is it weird? Did I take that weird? You yeah, can cut that kind of weird, you but you know, I don't know uh, if you feel because she's blonde. Is that what it is? Maybe. I mean, one of the arguments at the time was very much that Nancy Kerrigan was sort of this princess, was, and yeah. that she was unrelatable in that way. Yeah. But you know, it was an American, you know, sensation of a story. So she yeah. was held up as being this good guy, whatever. Even though, yeah. I mean, I don't think any of this has to really do with Nancy Kerrigan's personality. She just got kind of roped into this. Yeah. So I don't know how fair it really is, but that is something at the time that I think she was held up as being totally, a, you know, a, this, you know, mega star in the, in the yeah. offing. And then Tanya like, Harding comes along. Yeah. And like, I think there was even a narrative that she was like, she was cold and, you know, whatever unfeeling yeah. and, uh, and all those things yeah none of which i think is true or matters but i think the me all right we're gonna go there i think the media like really like to paint them as like these two opposing forces when really they were just two ladies trying to achieve their dreams and one of them maybe hired somebody to club the other or not who knows they they liked the cat fight element to it they did and then again it's the fact that they let tanya harding compete in the olympics which yeah. i think is insane like i think it's such a crazy thing to have happened but like you know it was the highest rated it was i want to say this is mentioned in the trailer episode maybe but it was the sixth highest rated event in television history like it was such a huge thing that they were skating yeah. and be, but this was a complete you know media creation i mean yeah. again Tanya harding probably hired people to like clubber so it's not completely fabricated but it was blown way out of proportion oh yeah it was yeah. too much it yeah. was too much Especially given that Nancy Kerrigan made it to the Olympics and was fine. Like, she yeah, did she great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she did was good. 
if she had won have... gold, which I think is what everyone was pulling for, this would make for maybe a better story down the road. But maybe. But you know, she did run into that uh, that bandsaw that was Oksana Bayul. Yeah. Yeah. God, I hope that's correct. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> it is right. It was Oksana Bayul, wasn't it? I think so. I mean, I think that's right. I'm pretty sure I didn't. I didn't look this up because I was again oh. confident I knew, and now I'm, I'm not, not. Now sure. I'm just questioning. I think. Was I think it, it was. Wasn't that the same Olympics that also had that couples skating team where the husband died tragically? Do you remember that? Yeah, Elvis Stoiko. No, his name was Sergey something. Oh, that's right, Sergey. Mm. Oh, I read her book too about my Sergey, right? Yeah. Yeah. Every girl in my high school read that book. Yeah, but that wasn't. That's a different event. Right, but it's still ice skating. Nice. <laughs> potato, potato. <laughs> The details are just rich and, uh, like, and comprehensive. Why, why is that relevant? Did he die right before the Olympics? Is that the thing? Or oh god, Wait, they competed at the Olympics, but he died before the Olympics. No, that's what I mean. Is they didn't compete. But if he didn't die before the Olympics, then why would it have mattered at the Olympics? I don't think it did. I I don't know. Oh no, is this like that time I couldn't decide between Dasani and Aquafina? And you yeah, we're gonna have to cut all this. We're gonna have to cut all this out. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't know why you brought this up. This doesn't have anything to do with it. I thought I thought that had something to do with the, those Olympics. Did he die after the Olympics? I don't remember. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> Going forward, I do think maybe we do some sort of episode on all of the buffoons who uh, <laughs> helped Tanya Harding in this endeavor. Jeff Galuli, uh, Shane Stant, and that other guy whose name I can't remember. Eckenrode? You said his name earlier. Ethan? No. Uh, Ian? No. It's Sean something, but I can't remember his name. Yeah. But I think maybe we can do an episode on them. Because again, this is such a famous story and it's such it's like OJ. It's it's such a big part of the national consciousness at the time that I always felt there's really nothing much to say about it. Like it is kind yeah. of everybody already has an opinion on it. No, no one's yeah. learning about this from this podcast. Yeah. Unlike maybe people who are learning about Michael Fay. Yeah. Right. You know, so maybe we can do that at some point and do some bits about them. Well, here we go. That's about I it, I think. And so the weird thing about this Weird Al song is that he was just basically like, this girl, she figure skated, she clubbed this other girl. That's it. Like, it was a very simple story. When, like, yeah. this is like a huge media event, and it went yeah. on for months, and golds, and who's involved? And he was just like, girl, clubbed other girl. Uh, that's it. That's all that happened. Don't In some way, it. it's kind of nice that Weird Al does just treat these three stories as being the same. Yes. Like that there is no real variance and they're all, they were all ridiculous at the time. So like, yeah. I get it, but it is odd that like the Michael Fay story, which apparently is now completely forgotten <laughs> is on the same level as Tanya and Nancy, which I would say is still a pretty big story. Huge story. Yeah. I, the only thing as we were getting ready for this, the only thing I could say is like, these are all stories because so much happened in 1994. Yeah. Why these three stories? But ever someone gets injured by somebody else and, yeah. and and that other person might be a rival it might be a spouse it might be the government of singapore it doesn't matter where the uh, attack is coming from yeah but someone's getting attacked i so. mean you know in retrospect i again i, I don't rem i don't have a big familiarity with this song so when we had first talked about doing this song uh as an episode months ago like part of me was like was oj part of that song because i couldn't remember what the third thing was but like there is i don't think even if weird if it had occurred to weird al which it must have right because he yeah. wrote this song theoretically sometime in the summer or fall of 94 yeah. there's no funny spin to put on that so no. i think that's why that's not there but like yeah. that was my first instinct was yeah. was that actually included because it was such a media circus of a, an event yeah that's the other thing about the song is it's not funny like the only funny thing about it is after each verse there's a a sound of someone getting hit and then a sound of someone screaming who sounds like 
the right persona to be the like it's a woman in the Nancy Kerrigan story, you know, it's a guy and and in the in the last story it's more of a like chop sound than a hit sound. Sure. And so I think I guess that I mean that must mean that was the the idea behind the song because they have that after every verse. Right. Um and then the only other thing that's funny about it is that in the bridges and in the instrumental portions there's fart noises. That's all that's all it is. Well, but okay, if you look back at some weird Al songs, his songs don't have a ton of jokes if they aren't more his more original songs. Like his Christmas songs have a lot of jokes in them and you know things like that but a lot of times like his yeah. his jokes are almost just punny as being funny yeah. you know what i mean like and that's kind of what makes it work so it's the fact that he's built on the back of that crash test dummy song all of this that's yeah. the amusing part of it it's not that it necessarily yeah. is funny yeah, you know yeah. like amish paradise again is the masterpiece of his songs oh. and it's funny and it, it does everything yeah. that everything else does yeah but i again think of his 80s songs where like like a surgeon Cuts for the very first time is not a funny line, but it's yeah. funny in relation to like a virgin. It's just it's funny by comparison. Yeah, so. that's fair. So I think I think that's how headline news works. I guess, but with that, like, and most of his other songs of that time, like he takes a song that exists and he makes it about something else, which is what he's doing here. But he takes like words and language and things from the and makes puns and they sound the same. Like cuts yeah. for the very first time. Cut. I don't remember what the line was. Cuts. Oh, touch for the very first time. That's the song. That's the Madonna lyric. And yeah. cuts for the very like right. It kind of works. Um, this has I don't think very many of the same lyri lyrics, if any. And it literally just tells the story. So I I do feel like it's different than his other songs because it is less clever. It's just like here's this. I mean, I get your point. Like yes, it's it's clever because it you know takes the song and it tells a different story in the same context. It's the same because again, I do think the original Crash Test Dummy song did tell stories of things that happened. And so I guess that is why. But it just, it I don't know, it just struck me as like, well, he's just telling facts about the song. The only thing that he does that's actually funny is he talks about John Wayne Bobbitt's privates. In the third section. In the third section. And so that's where Segway. this song wraps up. Yeah. Yeah. I... Again, I don't want to get into this too much because we did talk about it a lot coming into this episode, but I'm a little uncomfortable talking about the John Wayne Bobbitt, <laughs> Lorena Bobbitt song, and not for the reason you would think. No. Uh, for decades, the story was just this joke, and they became just these complete punchlines about, you know, oh, she chopped off his business and threw it out the window and blah, blah, blah. And so that, and, you know, and then it's like, ooh, guys being uncomfortable because, ooh, they're talking about their penises and blah, blah, blah. But what makes me uncomfortable is the the later life of this story and how uncomfortable this this whole event is and how maybe we should all be kind of ashamed for how we treated this for a 100%. couple percent actually a really sad tragic story about a couple and abuse and a yeah. really sad story but the existence of this song i think just points to so if you want to know what this was like at the time and yeah. you wonder how did this happen like why was this treated the way it was just look at it right on the surface and that's what this song is like it is very much like this is this goofy event and yeah. we're gonna make a lot of euphemisms for the guys uh the guy's member and that's it and that's what it was like that's what the story was so yeah. if we focus on that part of it then it's like well this is what it was in 94 we're doing a 94 show this is the 94 thing yeah it's just if you look at it a little too long it becomes kind of crass and kind of ugly to ignore everything that happened later as far as those people are concerned, as far as the story is concerned in their lives. But if we look at the media end of it, the creation of this song end of it, then you're like, well, this is the culture that there was at the time. And and maybe it's 
better that we've grown out of that? Maybe you can point to some positives for society that yeah. we now recognize kind of the horrible elements of this story. I mean, I guess, that yeah, to your point, the silver lining is that you can see growth. Like, I don't think Weird Al would write a song like this today about people in such genuinely tragic situations just because he can find the humor in it. Right? And it's like being, you know, overlooking the kind of, you know, like John Wayne Bobbitt was on trial for rape this in 1994. Like this was something that was taken somewhat seriously. He didn't get convicted because no one was getting convicted of rape back then. Like it was just yeah. one of those crimes that courts didn't, you know, take seriously or or really invest yeah. in in the same way. But but like that was part of this story that just got kind of overlooked or kind of forgotten or just kind of rolled up in the joke of it. And so you know, for ye then years and years, this just gets twisted into this punchline. So, you know, even though we were doing a fairly light show here, I was always kind of like, I don't know how to talk about this. I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Even though I liked the idea of building it off of this song. Yeah. But I think your point is, is a good one, which is if you want to know what it was like in 1994, listen to this song and yep. it will tell you how we treated honestly all of these stories. But I would say particularly the last two, like, and particularly the Lorena Bobbitt, John Wayne Bobbitt story as jokes, even yeah. though they were very serious things. And again, I don't want to overly criticize Weird Al for this. I don't think this oh, is no, his no, no, fault. I agree. This is the society at the time. This was culture at the time. And I mean, again, the Michael Faye story was always a kind of ridiculous story. And I think we gave too much sympathy to him, uh, not enough sympathy to Lorena Bobbitt. And then yeah. and now over time, we've kind of. I don't know, forgiven Tanya Harding or just forgotten her parts of things. But yeah. the way society has moved away from this time period and away from this song, I think is significant. So. Yeah, agree. All right. Well, I don't know that I have anything else to say about headline news other than it is a, it is a, it is a fine song, but it's nowhere <laughs> near the best song on this album. So go buy the album. But it's wild that like this was the song that got you into Weird Al. And now like today <laughs> you're just kind of like, this isn't that good a song. No, no. Huh. I mean, it's no Amish paradise. Raise the barn on Monday, soon I'll raise another. The, honestly, every song on, on Bad Hair Day is better than this song. But it was my entree into Weird Al Yankovic. And so I'm grateful for that because Weird Al has brought significant joy to my life. So thank I mean, you, that's Weird. fair. What, what would you say is your favorite Weird Al song? Oh, it's the night Santa went crazy. Oh, but, yeah? Uh, there's a song on Bad Hair Day that's called Since You've Been Gone. And it's a... Uh, barbershop quartet style song you know i've been in a buttload of pain yeah. since you've been gone <laughs> it's very amusing to me and then the last line is spoiler alert um i feel almost as bad as i did when you were still here that's a twist it's hilarious <laughs> oh, didn't oh my see god that coming. Nice. yeah also amish paradise is amazing it's so clever and wonderful it's a perfect song yeah perfect song yeah. um yeah lots i like his yeah. polkas that are literally just S lyrics from songs like it's not he doesn't rewrite them it's just those songs but set to polka tempo and music really good he did a hamilton polka that was really intense because he would like take the i don't know if you remember but like the david diggs part where david diggs raps like really fast and i mean i haven't seen weird Al do it live so he must have sped it up like but it that is so fast it's so crazy Again, he must have record. He must have recorded it slower. I don't want to. If he didn't, I don't want to like discredit his talent. But I don't think a human being can do that at the pace because the whole point of the polkas is like it goes faster than the regular song. 
And like to take what David Diggs did and what that that role does in the in Hamilton and speed it up is like the craziest idea. It was so yeah, it was amazing. Somebody has to stand up for the South. Somebody has to stand up to his mouth. If there's a fire you're trying to douse, you can't put it out from inside the house. I'm in the cabinet. I am complicit in watching him grabbing at power and kissing it. Washington isn't gonna listen to discipline dissidents. This is the difference. This kid is out. I mean, Weird Al's been doing kind of stuff like that for a long time. So I wouldn't oh, be yeah. surprised if he actually does somehow physically pull that off, but Amazing. it is a pretty great, it is a pretty great song. Weird Al's a talented guy. Um, oh, Weird Al is an incredibly talented guy. But, but again, like I really I relate to this as a kid because I was really into this as a kid. So like my, I would say like my favorites Weird Al songs still are back to then. Like mm. uh, he did a song I lost on Jeopardy, which is just a great song. I took I've always, again, had this weird thing for Stuck in a Closet with Vanna White. Yeah. Uh, instead of Addicted to Love, he did a song called Addicted to Spuds. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, those things really, those songs are the ones that really do it for me, so. We went to see some band, maybe we've seen them twice, and they played this song, and I was like, oh, I only know the Weird Al version of this song, but I had never known the real version, and it was... The song was just about how much he likes TV and he was just naming TV songs. It's like a slow song. Oh, shoot. We saw them. Was it Soul Asylum? What's Soul Asylum's second most popular song? Not Runaway Train. What's the other one? Oh, it's Misery. It's Misery by Soul Asylum. And it's this like beautiful ballad. And Joe and I were at a band or at a concert seeing Soul Asylum. We were like in the front row. Yeah. At, I feel like. We're, it was at like was the Vic or somewhere. And they were playing. Was that when they were playing with Fountains of Wayne? And we no. left. No, no, we we got tickets for free, and it was them and the lead singer of the Lemonheads opened for them. Oh, maybe, yeah. And we saw yes. them twice, very close together. But yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, we were so close to the front of the stage. Anyway, they they came out and they started playing this song called Misery, which is their like fourth most popular song on Spotify. And I was like, oh my god, I only know the Weird Al version of the song, and it's just like him naming TV shows. I want he watches. It must have called like Addicted to TV or something. I don't remember what it was called. I'm addicted to but it was a song I knew really well and I couldn't believe that I actually discovered the real song that it I had no idea what song that was a parody of no idea <laughs> no I you know Weird Al is kind of the gateway to a lot of stuff for people because he applies I think to a lot of ages it's 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 goofy you know, music and it's also very PG music. So it really kind of works yeah. that way. I remember my sister being like, oh, I'm really into Weird Al. And she would send me videos of her kids singing along to Weird Al like at the dinner table when they're really little. And I was like, there's a lot in there they should not be listening to. Really? Well, I mean, like even you, you throw out a Weird Al album and like Headline News is on there and, you know, not all of it, but there are songs that are not as kid friendly as others. I've always, again, I've always thought of it as very, very kid friendly music. But Remember, I, there could be instances. Yeah. The night in the night, Santa went crazy. He like eats part of one of the reindeer. Okay, but like I think you're forgetting like what kids are into. Like as far as like cartoons are super violent. Like there's a lot of real extreme I stuff. Know, you know, but, but if it's really... played funny, it's usually okay. They weren't like eight. They were like three. Like they were so little. Uh, they were so in Hawaii. They were so little. When no, three. Was... They don't know what's going uh, on. It's fine. I'm sure she selected the correct songs, but fair. Yeah. I still think of it in terms of like I think I'm a clone now, which was the, <laughs> you know, 
things like that. That's that's the Weird Al I think. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm very much the uh, you know child of the first greatest hits album, and up until basically when I was nine, that's that's why I was really I really had a had it covered. You know, I pulled up Weird Al Spotify, and of his top five songs, I recognized like one to two of them. He apparently did a song as a parody to Miley Cyrus's party in the USA called like party in the CIA. Sure. I don't, I don't know what it's about, but it sounds pretty yeah. amusing. Well, Spotify is just geared towards younger people. And just that weird Al's been around forever that, yeah. you know, he has generations, even though he looks exactly the same. <laughs> he, he does. Yeah. He does not change at all. So like, yeah. it's hard to realize how old that guy must be uh. now. But he he relates to generations of people. Do you remember on I want to say Facebook a couple of years ago, people would make a list of like concerts they had seen, and one of them was fake. And it was like I've seen these five bands, but one of them isn't true. And everyone I know has seen Weird Al in concert. Everybody. I've never seen Weird Al because I don't know how often he tours. But like literally everyone I know has seen Weird Al in concert. That's amazing. That blew my mind at the time. I was like, does he? I didn't even know he toured. But like, yeah, he is everywhere. Ooh. Can we, when you post this, can you tag him on Twitter and see if he'll like listen to our podcast? I could try. I don't know why he would, but I could. <laughs> oh, give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Have you what, to listen to you all over headline news? <laughs> no, it's a great song. I'm sorry, Weird Al. Nah, it's it's not your best work. I don't, I don't think he's going to tune in. He might tune in to hear me talk about how much I love this song is only six words long. That was based on it was based on that. I've got my mind set on you. That George Harrison song. Oh, Velvet Elvis. That even worse has great songs on it. Velvet Elvis is a great song. Don't need no lava lamp. Don't need no soap on a rope. No pictures of Mexican kids with those really big eyes or dogs playing poker. Uh, anyway, uh, we're just here gushing over Weird Al. Oh my god, so great. So do we want to talk about the one other time you mentioned someone in something on social media and they replied? Can we talk about that? It's a totally pivot story. <laughs> and you can cut okay. it if you want. That's a hard story to tell, but yeah. This is a great story, though. It's a so, great story. A couple, I don't know, oh God, like 10 years ago, I created a fake Twitter account just for jokes. And it was this fake coffee company. I think it was called the Hanging Gardens Cafe. I, I, the account still exists, but I never use it. But in it, I created this fictional character who runs this account, this coffee shop. And they want to get into a Twitter beef with somebody. So I had them just like, it, it, mostly it was just that they're just oblivious to everything that's going on in the world and society on, on nine 11, they posted a tweet that once said like, never forget our cookies or buy one, get one free. Like just <laughs> terrible. Just right. Like a real thing companies do now, actually. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like, but I did this years ago and I just, yeah. I just wanted them to be just completely oblivious. Right. So I had them adding a bunch of celebrities. I don't even remember how many I did before somebody responded, but I didn't do it a lot. I didn't do hundreds of them. And I had I had them just writing just as a beef to people. And I added Brian Dunkelman. <laughs> and I don't even remember what I wrote to him. It was just something like, I just want to get into a beef with Brian Dunkelman. And he responded to this tweet and just wrote like, um, f*** you. <laughs> and that was it. And I was like, this is great, Dunkelman, coming at us, you know? Um, that was it. That was the, that was, that was the only time, but like, I did not keep that account going and this was a, a one-off instance, but, uh, you know, big props to Dunkelman for having a sense of humor or for taking a lot of offense. I don't know. Uh, oh my God. I actually forgot about that story. That is not the one I was thinking of when I suggested that. <laughs> well, now I'm confused. Uh, wait, I, I, a celebrity responded. Is that yes. what we're talking about? Yes. Oh, are you talking, we're talking about parade day? Yes. Oh. Okay. Well. Okay. 
I don't even know if this story is interesting, but okay. <laughs> no, this is the greatest. The response is the greatest. All right. So I wrote a book again 12 years ago called Parade Day, and it was originally posted as a blog. I wrote it's all set in little chapters, and I wrote it as a blog. I, I didn't really want to get into this on the show, but whatever. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I, I, I'm not here to push this blog, to push this book, which is available on Amazon. <laughs> so I wrote these chapters, and in one of them, I there's a reference to... A real conversation we had. Yeah, there was a real conversation we had on a parade day once about Linda Ellerby, who used to host Nick News on Nickelodeon. And in it, in the conversation in the book, I want to say one, somebody brought up Linda Ellerby, right? Yeah. And... You, you? I, I think it was me, yeah. You said, isn't Linda Ellerby dead in the book? And, and this happened in real life. And yeah. I said something like, no, no, no. You're thinking of Lynn Thigpen, who yep. hosted yes. Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Yep. And because Lynn, Lynn Thigpen had died. She had died in some years before this. Yeah. But this was a real conversation that we had 2006, right? Yes. So I write this story and I put it on the I was like a MySpace blog, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. And that was like a couple years later. And Linda Ellerby, somebody claiming to be Linda Ellerby or really Linda Ellerby responded yeah. to this story because you could write comments and said something along the lines of like, nope, still alive, you know, something, thanks for whatever. And like, there was no guarantee this was Linda Ellerby, but no. if it's not, why would you respond in right. such a way? So I was like, oh, Linda Ellerby, there we in are. My, in my head, that's what happened and I love it. Yeah. I think we should tag her in this episode on Twitter. She'll respond. I'm sure she'll remember this instance <laughs> occurring. But I would guess, does Linda Ellerby have like a Google alert from 12 years ago? That like, I know. How did she find it? Could you do that? I guess you could do that 12 years ago. I don't yeah, know. but probably. I, I don't know, actually. That's a good yeah. point. But I mean, like this, I mean, it's a text thing. Like some conversations we have here won't come up in searches because yeah. we don't have transcripts of this. But yeah, and back on the day when we had MySpace blogs, which is where Parade Day all first originated, uh, that was on there, and that we could was, not that believe that she found it. Could not if that was really her. Could yeah. not believe it. So these are the semi celebrities that have responded to our various internet hijinks over the years: Brian Dunkelman and Linda Ellerby. So next goal is Weird Al Yankovic. I mean, Weird Al's a big get. That's a big get. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. There are a bunch of people we've mentioned on this show. Like, oh well, so and so could write in, and then I try to put their names in the yeah descriptions to see if that'll happen but so far gotta, no luck gotta, so gotta add them on twitter fingers crossed we'll see how that works out yeah. so i'm sorry that we've gone down this road i've had to tell you the hanging gardens cafe story <laughs> it's still an active twitter account that i never use and parade day which is available for sale on amazon so thank you for listening <laughs> to all of this nonsense and, uh, how do you want to go out what do you what have you got do you uh should i just sing headline news <laughs> i'm gonna say no Once there was this kid who took a trip to Singapore and brought along his spray paint and wind. Okay, everybody, thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying this. It's pretty cane marks all over his bottom. Thanks, guys. He said that it was from when the warden whacked it so. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs>